0: So good morning to everyone. It's good to see you here. It's always good to be here with y'all. So this is kind of a part of a series that I've been doing off and on, responding to the culture. Uh, This is our Christian hope specifically. But the culture, you know, it's society's values and morals. It's uh, traditions and lifestyle. And we're looking at those things that come into conflict with God's word, with our beliefs. We know the culture is deceived. Um, Satan is pretty much taking them down the broad path. Society and the devil will deceive us and take us with them if they can. But God gives us hope for his church, for our country, for anyone who will listen to him. Now, I hope this will be encouraging as we look at the problems that we know are facing us. But we know that we already have the answer. The Lord is the solution. We already know that. So we want to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. This is after the dedication of the temple. God speaks to Solomon. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now understand that initially God is speaking of the temple that Solomon built there, but we now, today in this present age, we are the temple of God. So we need to remember that and apply that to ourselves. God has chosen us as his temple just as he chose Solomon's temple. So if we will follow what he says in verse 14, which basically he's telling us to humble ourselves, to pray and seek him, and then he will forgive our sins and he will heal the land. God is not abandoning us. He's listening for our prayers. If we look at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 29 through 33, Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would have none of my counsel and despised my every rebuke. Now here God is telling us the real problem with society or the culture at large. The real problem is they have rejected God. We'll continue. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Now understand those two verses, there, are 31 and 32, those are not punishments, those are not threats. That is just people living with the consequences of their actions and choices without God. But verse 33 But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Now, that's us. That that should be us. As the church, as we follow the Lord, we will be safe. There is always hope for us as the Lord's people, no matter how bad things may look or we may think things are getting out in the world, out in society. And we do see bad things. I know in the country today, we see that society is sick and getting sicker. You know, the symptoms are there. You know, we have same-sex marriages being legal. Our society praises criminals and condemns the police. And then they wonder why the crime rate is rising and makes no sense. Divorce rates are higher and uh, marriage rates are lower and 40%. Of all births, according to the CDC, are occurring to unwed mothers. Now, I grew up in a single parent home. Not that my mom was unwed, but she was divorced when I was very young. So I know how that is. I know how hard that is. It makes things difficult on people. You know, I've been blessed to have God as my Heavenly Father, and I was blessed with a good mom. But it's, a, it's another symptom. It's a bad thing. The law protects the lives of animals more than babies. People murder the unborn, and they call it choice. And other laws are passed or being passed to try to make it so that children can have sex change treatments. They're not even old enough to know what they're doing. People do not believe in God's word because it does not allow for their diversity. This, all these fictitious categories that they make up. Society spews profanity and pornography and they call it freedom of expression. But these are just symptoms of the problem. They are not the problem. Remember, God told us the problem back in verses 29 and 30 people have rejected God. That's the problem. When they talk about root causes of things, which I kind of laugh about, um, that's the real problem. That's our biggest problem in this country. Don't get distracted by the symptoms. They are bad, but they are not the problem. One way our society rejects God is to try and change or eliminate our history. There are some that would have you believe that the founding fathers were not Christians or did not believe in God, or maybe they'll say that they they like to use this term, which I think is kind of weird, they say they're deists, like they could just worship anything. They might worship a tree or something. I don't know. But that's not true. That's It's not at all. With only two exceptions, our founding fathers were Christians and believed in the God of the Bible. Now, those two exceptions, they were John Adams and Robert Payne, and they had kind of a Unitarian Universalist belief, and they just believed that God would save everybody somehow. Now, we don't consider that very Christian, but it doesn't make them atheists either. So anyway, don't let people who don't believe in God tell you that America was not founded in Christianity. You can hear from some of the founding fathers right here. I have some quotes, Ben Franklin. And yeah, I probably should have said Benjamin. I don't know him that well, but I I put Ben Franklin. (laughs) I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, Is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? Patrick Henry, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists that just believe anything, but by Christians and not on religions, not just any religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, peoples of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. The gospel is the reason that other people of other faiths and religions can be here. Don't let the media fool you. Christians are very tolerant and caring people. And then notice George Washington. He keeps it pretty simple. It is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. Now, notice the words he uses, rightly govern. You can still govern without God, but we've seen how that goes through history and even in other places in the world today. It's not, it's not good. I got just a few more. John Adams, now he was our, one of our two exceptions that we mentioned our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. We expect, they expected, and we expect our citizens to be moral and religious. Thomas Jefferson, now he, he is supposedly one of the lesser religious founding fathers. I, I don't know how they get that, but that's one thing I read. God who gave us life gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? You can even see the whole quote, there's much more to that, at the Jefferson Monument, for those of you who have or have not been to D.C. But nonetheless, um, that's a it's a real concern. It's, it, he said that back then, but I think that's a real concern for now. Are we going to lose our liberties as the nation, as society, you know, pulls away from God? It's, it's a concern, right? John Quincy Adams. Now, he's not a founding father. He's the sixth president, okay? Sixth president. Um, he came along about 60, 70 years later, 1825 to 1829. He wrote, the highest, the transcendent glory of the American Revolution was this... It connected in one indissoluble bond the principles of civil government with the precepts of Christianity. Then Andrew Jackson, the seventh president, he's the very next guy. He says, the Bible is the rock upon which our republic rests. All these people were Christian. They very much believed in God and the Lord. Modern day people have been confused. They've been confused by the fact that the founding fathers were mistrustful of the Church of England and the Catholic Church or any governmental religion. So this has been misinterpreted misinterpreted as them being atheistic or something like that. And that's not true. Instead, what they were doing was they were keeping the government out of religious affairs to allow a lit, uh, religious freedom in this country. However, in the first of the declaration, the Creator is mentioned as being our source of rights, life and liberty and pursuit of happiness. They knew that these things all came from God. Because this nation was founded on godly principles, we have been very blessed. We have enjoyed great prosperity, freedom and peace, all thanks to God. For all that some in our society want to run down America nowadays, there's a reason that millions of people all over the world want to come here and live. We are still a blessed nation in many ways. As a nation, we have also been a blessing to other countries. Because of our beliefs, we have sent missionaries all over the world. We have helped the people of other countries both as private citizens, we have helped them through charities and other organizations like that. And then our nation, our country, our government has helped other countries. And we have fought as a nation to keep other countries free. Now, so far, we as Christians, as the Lord's church here, we're still safe in this country. But unfortunately, our society is in a state of moral rebellion against God and his instructions. People outside of Christ's church, they don't understand that God's commandments, God's instructions are for our good, for our betterment. Instead, in confusion, and we know who the author of that confusion is, some people see it all as very arbitrary and very Uh, And then some of the punishments, very arbitrary. And others simply want to do their own thing. They just want to live their own life, their own way, very selfishly. We need to help people realize what some folks realized and knew over 300 years ago. William Penn stated this in 1681. Men must be governed by God or they will be ruled by tyrants. We see this acted out again in history and in other places in the world. But today in our culture, people are being deceived by the forces of Satan. Here, Jeremiah talks about false teaching and how people believe they are right and correct in their own way of thinking. Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. How can you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? Look, the false pen of the scribes certainly works falsehood. The wise men are ashamed, they are dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom do they have? And this is the world, this is society claiming to be wise, some even claiming to be Christians, but they are wolves in sheep's clothing. If we look at verses 10 and 11, therefore I will give their wives to others and their fields to those who will inherit them because from the least, even to the greatest, everyone is given to covetousness. From the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. For they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. So verse 10 Again, this is a lot of what we see in the world. People are greedy, covetous. They are willing to be deceitful and lie to get what they want. And verse 11 has to do with the superficial nature of things we see sometimes. And we have a name for that, where people do things to make themselves look good to other people. And uh, a newer phrase for that lately has been what they call virtue signaling, where like, you're all for saving the environment. You're all for saving animals. But then you turn around and you vote for the murder of babies. God is not deceived. That that does not fool him at all. If we look at verse 12, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. Nor did they know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. In the time of their punishment, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. And we notice that, we see that. People do not have any shame. They're proud of their shameful acts, the things that they should be ashamed of. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. Righteousness exalts a nation But sin is a reproach to any people. The reproach means shame or disgrace. And our country is sometimes disgraced with some of the things that go on. But we still have righteousness in our nation, too. We still have righteous people. We just need to change people's hearts and attitudes toward God. We need sincere repentance and worship. Because, again, the Lord is the solution. Just like I was saying at the very beginning, we have the solution. We can't forget that. You know, the Greek word commonly translated as church in the New Testament actually means a group of people called together or called out for a purpose. And that word's used about 100 times or so. Since we are all called together by God, we're all called as the body of Christ, what are we called out for? What is our purpose? We're called to do what is needed to save the lost, what is necessary to spread the gospel. So the responsibility of this, to change people's hearts and attitudes through the gospel, falls to us as Christians, as God's children. Now I know that responsibility is not what we asked for, but there's no one else who will do that. There's no one else who will do what needs to be done. The most important part of this work is for all of us to set the right example in our lives, something we mentioned even in our class this morning. In Romans chapter 12, Paul explains things that we should do to be setting that example, telling us how to live holy lives. We're not going to do the whole chapter, okay? I'm going to hit the highlights, but these are important things. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So do not be conformed to the world's ideas of acceptable behavior. That's not our example. The Lord is our example. Renew our minds with God's word and act according to that word. Verses four and five, same chapter. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one, are, yeah, are one body in Christ, thought I'd read that wrong, and individually members of one another. Realize that we're all different with different abilities, different skills, different functions in the body of Christ. But all are just as important. We are all very important. None of us can go it alone. We're not meant to. Verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. We are to have genuine godly love for others. And that's, that's what is meant there. And we... You know, we have to ask ourselves, do we abhor evil? Do we hate it, despise it, detest it? Do we shun it and stay away from it? And on the other side, are we clinging to what is good or who is good sometimes? You know, to cling to good, that's to hold on. That's to grab a hold of something and hold on to it. Like for dear life, you're clinging on to it. Verses 14 through 16, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Be a blessing to others regardless of how they are to us. Celebrate with people when they celebrate. The reason to add to their joy. Add to their joy. Make it better. And then weep with those who weep. The idea here is to be a comfort and to lessen their sorrow and pain. Live in harmony with one another. Now, that's how uh, verse 16 is is rendered in some translations. And then remember... We don't want to be wise in our own opinion. We don't want to think too much of ourselves. Verses 17 and 18, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. There are good things to have regard of that God has given us in this world, in this life. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So again, have this attitude of care and peace toward others. Verses 20 and 21. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We should not consider the world our enemy, even if they consider us that. For that reason, if they decide to be an enemy, we should instead be a friend. We cannot change their minds if we act like they act. We cannot change their hearts if we act like they act. We have to act like the Lord. We must really live a life of faith and love and service. Because we have this responsibility to live holy lives, showing this example of Jesus We must speak out against immorality and unjust laws. At the same time, we must be respectful to our leaders, even if we disagree with them or dislike them, which sometimes we do, it's life. We need to be a part of electing and supporting godly members. We need to really try to have an impact in that area. You know, politics do not matter. Our only politics, I should have brought my Bible up here so I could shake it. Um, politics is not what's important. Our only belief should be the Bible. That's what matters. Does The parties don't matter, the politics, none of that matters. Now, I know it sounds like we have a lot to do, and it's and it's hard to do all these things that are required of us, that we need to do. Some will say that it is unrealistic and that society and the culture will be against us. Well, what did Jesus say about that? Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 36. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. So we should not be surprised we've been told this is not gonna be easy. But we can do this through the Lord. You know, most of all, we must share the gospel with others. We are called to save as many people as we can. That is Christ's ministry and what he gave to us to do as his body. So it is our ministry. And we must be the ones to represent God to the world in these times. And this means actions and prayer. And never forget prayer. Prayer is so... Powerful and so important. We need to pray for all these people we see that we know they're lost from their actions. We cannot hide our light. We must make sure that the love of God is seen through us in a humble way. Not for our glory, but for the Lord's praise and honor. We may face persecution at some point. But Jesus reminds us he has already overcome the world. You look at John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, the first century church, they faced and survived real persecution by following the Lord. God blessed them, and they really did change the world and society. We would not be Christians here today without their effort and their belief and their sacrifice. We are a product of their faith. They were tortured and hunted and killed. Yet here we are. Thank God that he was with them and he was their source. If you worry, if you are worried, if you have fear, that's normal. We're human. We have fears. We have worries. But we must remember that God is with us. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And realize also that no matter what happens to society in this country or anywhere else, whatever we see outside of the body of Christ, whatever we see going on, the Lord's church will not fail. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, you think about what Jesus is saying in the second half of that sentence after that comment. We would say it like more like this. The powers of hell will not defeat the church. That's more how we would say that. Now, think about who he is saying that. He's Jesus, the son of God, the word of God made flesh. How is everything created? through the word of God. That is the power behind his statement right there. He said his church will be victorious. So don't trust in people. Don't trust in the media and what they say. Trust in what the Lord has said. So I hope this is encouraging and helpful to you. Do not worry about what we see out in the world, what you see on the news. Sometimes I would, well, probably most of the times, I would recommend not watching that much news. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, let's work to improve our peace of the world in our lives. Let's do what we can in our lives to make things better. We do that by following God and sharing his love and his faith or our faith in him. And it does make a difference. History shows that. The the first century's church proves that out in the fact that we are here. So if anyone here would like to trade in your fear for God's love, trade in your despair for hope, trade in your sorrow for joy, your strife for peace, the Lord can give you all those things. If you need the Lord today or prayers or assistance for anything, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.